uh, if you ask me from uh, you know from the outside perspective i would say all the 11 players from caribbean <laughs> island is going to be the <laughs> oh how should i start today and what are we talking about okay i'll give you a hint we are talking about two time 50 over champion team a two time t20 champion a team that has an amazing cricket history and it's fair to say champions champions yes they are the champion team a team that has always produces a class of elite fast bowlers we are all versed in how the west indies had those impressive batters in the past like sir everton weeks sir garfield sovers elvin kalicharan clive lloyd sir vivan richards dan lara chandrapal and many more and how can we ever forget those four fast bowlers we will never and why just the past see what shamar joseph is doing currently in simple words just amazing for me it's a privilege that today i'm talking to jerome foster jerome is from jamaica and the warrior of jamaica sports journalist of the year 2022 currently working as a sports reporter producer at television jamaica it was also a very insightful conversation which we had from cricket to interviewing skills how i can improve we discussed all the main things about how jamaica cricket works and how any caribbean youth can get into the international team our mutual favorites courtney walls and sir vivan richards bland lara best in these chances in the upcoming t20 world cup and who is the top four team for this upcoming world cup according to him uh enough so enjoy this conversation and you will be amazed to know how west indies select champions so let's just start So yes, thank you so much for coming here. Also, like, uh, look, there's a lot to discuss about uh, West Indies and all the Caribbean islands over there. Okay, and the first thing I just want to know from you that how, how your journalism started specifically with sports, because I think you also won that this year. I think last year you won the Jamaica uh, National Award, the Sports Journalist of Year. How, how it all started for you? Um, I would say it's really a secondary option. Um, I think as a child, everybody has big ambitions to probably be a doctor, or a pilot, or or just those established yeah. jobs where people look up sure. to you or, or so on. So initially, I wanted to be a pilot, and then um, I just had a love for sports throughout my younger years, and then sure. I played cricket for a long period of time. Not just cricket, but I also played football at high school. Yeah. Then after a while, I developed a, I would say, passion for sports journalism and reading articles related to sports and features of what sporting um, achievers. And then I think after about sixteen, fifteen, sixteen, I realized that probably this is the direction that my life is going to go into because I'm not a big fan of sciences in school. I wasn't a big fan of the sciences. Um, likewise, well, likewise for sure. Yeah, so the the chemistry and the and the biology after a time, I I just didn't bother with. Yeah. Then I was playing sports, so it was more difficult for me to study those subjects. So I didn't have the time. I didn't balance it well enough at that time. That was like fifteen, sixteen. So I realized that communication was going to be my area. So I strengthened I strengthened in that area, and this is where I am. do you think uh, specifically not sport journalism any journalism there's a bit of great we can actually observe from the very early age right 
like you mentioned about communication okay and when we talk about communication is something that if you are very well versed with current affairs you are well versed with anything and you have a ability to talk and write now you are in the regime this go and do sport journalism or any journalism right yeah how 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 in jamaica like you mentioned about how people uh, talk about engineering how people talk about doctor and every sort of thing with the established job when you just popped up that okay i have to do sport journalism so how your family reacted um i don't well i don't think they had an issue with it i think what they wanted to do is ensure that there was balancing playing sports or the student athlete like that had properly while doing the book work because that was fundamental for them as well so you couldn't just play the sports and use it as an excuse to have bad grades so and then there was almost like a stigma attached to people who played sports in Jamaica where people tend to say that they're not the the brightest of the lot so you you had that not burden where you had to do well in school to ensure that you merited a place in the school and then when you you got past the initial phase which is the first level of secondary graduation there's another form grades 12 and 13 where you have to matriculate into that system from your all your senior your senior exams which is is also a caribbean exam so it's not just a jamaica exam the caribbean exam so you have to get decent enough grades to elevate to that 12 and 13 grades so, so it's a national level exam yeah so it's a national exam but it's 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's called the caribbean examination council csec so you have to for the same exam that you do here in jamaica it's done in barbados and guyana and trinidad st vincent etc so it's almost like a community the caribbean is like a community so it's the same everybody between 16 and 18 the same exams so cricket first of all cricket because obviously cricket is something i want to discuss about usain bolt as well because how can you not discuss usain bolt from jamaica but first of all i want to know about cricket so uh, you've been in jamaica from a very long time and you also saw other caribbean islands as well when we talk about west indies a lot of people don't know that west indies not in any any country west indies is a combination of lot of islands okay and one of the island is jamaica and when you talk about jamaica and when you talk about cricket so how jamaican cricket work not uh, in and how people get selected from jamaica to west indian team how that structure work i just want to know yeah so it's it's a very unique region the caribbean in terms of how we go about playing cricket sure. and it makes it a little bit more difficult for people to be selected not just not like india where you have one landmass and you play and the top players just gather and the selectors yeah, sure. players etc in the region in the caribbean it's completely different so in jamaica you have so to to matriculate into the senior team you have to do well in what we call our senior cup which is a yeah. two day red ball competition played on a saturday and a sunday and then you have a 50 over competition which is predominantly played on a saturday and then once a player dominates in that whether we bat or ball get to play in the jamaica trials which is normally staged over about 45 weeks where you play matches the best 28 players for the season as well as those players who would have represented the westerners before are sure. in that they're in the trials so over the five weeks you play matches and then after that that 28 trims down to about 14 15 and then after you, you you get into the jamaica team you know play a regional competition 
So, sure. so, so, so Barbados would do the same thing that we do to get to their final 14. And Guyana would do the same thing to get to their final 14. It's a little bit different now in the Eastern Caribbean, where you have the Leeward Islands and the Windward Islands. So the Windward Islands, those countries are St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Grenada, Dominica. Those are the countries who predominantly make up the, the, the Windward Islands. While the Leeward Islands now, you have Antigua and Barbuda, St. Kitts, Monster, and St. Martin. So those, those, the Leeward Islands and the Windward Islands, they would have their inter-regional competition. So St. Lucia, Dominica, St. Vincent, and the Grenadines, they would come together and play a Windward Islands competition. And then after you represent your individual countries, they sure, pick sure, sure. players from that to form the Windward Islands. And it's the same thing that entails for the Leeward Islands. So the best players from Antigua, St. Kitts, Montserrat, St. Martin, they will play in a combined championship called the Leeward Islands Championship. Sure. And then the best players from those four countries merge to form the Leeward Islands. And then after that now, when you play for the Leeward Islands, Windward Islands, Guyana, Barbados, Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago, the best players okay. from those those six countries play in a regional tournament. And then the top performers from those matches are normally selected to play for the West Indies. And that's how you get the West Indies game. Jeez, it, it's, it's a bit complex for sure. I think it's not easy to understand a lot of times because obviously, uh, you know... There's look okay. We grew up watching all the West Indians great, as I mentioned, right? In my text message, also that how we it's it's a beautiful island. A lot of not only Jamaica, every island specifically, right? And having a ability to produce a lot of fast bowlers, a lot of fast athletes, and every sort of things, okay? But still, you know, in recent years, what we saw is uh, there's a lot of it, it's a not hidden fact, right? That West Indies saw a lot of dip when it comes to a lot of formats specifically within icc tournaments what do you think it's reason behind this okay um i think especially with our white ball cricket i think we were like the pioneer of white ball of t20 cricket in yeah, terms yeah. of how we played that format for a long period of time Absolutely. because our players how they are built is just a natural is a natural thing we are the most physical beings that play cricket or because we're of African descent, so origin, we're strong and powerful. So that gives yeah. you an advantage <clears throat> that you're able to be a power-bound team. So you depend on a lot of power to get the better yeah. of, of the teams. But what has happened is that the other teams have evolved as well. So they have also found a way to mix that power or generate that power with some more flexibility. It took us some time or it has taken us some time to refine our game to move away from the complete dependence or over-reliance on power to have a little bit more finesse. I think that has been the biggest issue with our white ball cricket. So if you look at the 2021 T20 World Cup that was mm. in Dubai, yeah, yep. pitches were slow and yep. low and the balls weren't really coming onto the bat. It <coughs> created a problem for our batters because we don't have the skill sets to mm. not that nerd and run between the wickets and so on. So the boundary hitting was always a problem. Secondly, I think selection of the teams is always an issue. It's always a massive issue because when sure. when you, as I mentioned earlier, with the 
different territories and you have a selector that is probably from Barbados or a selector from Guyana. A man from mm -hmm. Guyana would probably say that this man should be selected because you're Guyanese. Or okay. a man from Barbados is in charge and he selects two players from Barbados who on the face of it should be in the team, but somebody else who is from Jamaica who is left out. There are question marks as to why is he not selected. So you have that insularity thing about it, where it's, as much as we come together as one to represent yeah. a, a whole region, you don't feel as if everybody believes in each other and everybody backs each other. So you're fighting mm -hmm. for a specific space, and that creates some doubt around some of the players. So they're not as confident to express themselves. You don't think you believe, sure. you don't think you belong in the team. Mm -hmm. There are so many media reports that you should not be in the team question marks over why are you selected and so on so those are the problems i don't think preparation is a big issue um because even the last t20 world cup i don't think any team played more work or warm-up matches than us that was in the covid 19 era and we had seen here on a regular we had australia here we had south africa here we had Lanka here um that was like 12 to 14 matches in preparation so I don't think preparation is really the issue. Um, additionally, what we are finding out now is that the world and the sport is in a different dynamic. So franchise cricket has become so lucrative. So the okay. players don't play a lot of matches for the West Indies together. Even though you see them sure. in the they're parading themselves, themselves and their skills and dominating for a long mm. period. For a large period between 2012 and 2021, when we won those two twenty World Cups. Sure, sure, Tyron sure. Pollard, Sammy, Dwayne Bravo, etc. They didn't play 50 T20 matches together in bilateral matches. And if you look at the other teams, you can see that there's always a structure and a continuity in terms of their plan. With the region, it's, it's always different because we are so dependent on these players I wouldn't say dependent. I don't think dependent is the right word. I think the problem is that our board is not able to pay them anywhere close to what is being offered in these leagues. So you don't want to stop their rights to trade or their rights to, to earn. So the board has basically coughed up the opportunity to really call them back or force them to come back and play because you're restricting their trade. So that you know, creates a problem as well. Uh, before I just talk about how I see the structure, of West Indies from outside. One thing which I noticed, so I was reading about, I uh, just reading Clive Lloyd in interview, you know, 975 champion, the first time when they won that trophy World Cup. They also said that one of a time that even that time they have a financial issue and that time the, every team is suffering from the financial struggles, right? Why still West Indies is still suffering because what we want to see, we want to see a lot of test matches. And if we want to see a lot of test matches, we want a lot of finance as well. We want a lot of audience to come and then see this, right? Not only test matches, any bilateral tournament also. Because we remember, like my dad's generation remember that how there's a strong build of West Indies players coming around in India or going to or playing in their home condition and doing well, right? And still after franchise cricket came, we can't just blame franchise cricket, okay? But still, I just want to know from you why West Indies, how much, how you see as a journalist, why West Indies still wouldn't be able to pay a much money to their players which they should pay because they're international players yeah 
the, well, the first part of it is that they're not generating enough revenue in terms of commercial. Um, the, okay. the, the board, I think, 2019, the board was in over 100 million US dollars in debt. Based Dep on the fact that we were hosting matches but not really generating any ticket sales. And because the team is not doing so well, yeah. people are not yeah. really enthused to go out and watch the team play. Because in the region, as, as I tell you, it's almost a region that backs winners. So if you're not winning, it's very difficult for you to get that truckload sure. uh, of, of, of support. And that is part of it. But the game has gone beyond that as well, where television rights is dominating the scene. So when India comes here, the board will make a profit. Or when England comes here, the board makes a profit based on the television rights and, a and because of the traveling support as well of the English fans, the Barmian fans. But other than that, Sri Lanka comes here, you hardly find a hundred people in, in Jamaica stands or even in Trinidad for test cricket. They will come out for the one-day matches or the T20 matches. But sure. the, 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 the five-day matches, you, you find a decrease in terms of spectatorship and so on. So that is one. Secondly, they don't have enough corporate sponsors backing them. And that is because of the identity of the cricket. The cricket has been in, a, in the doldrums for some time, almost 30 years, when we were number one in 1995. Yeah. We haven't been there any time. Well, 32 years now it's going. We haven't been there. So it's, it's, part of the, it's part of the problem. And then in the region where, for you, cricket is number one, or, and then you have hockey and so on. In, in the Caribbean and in Jamaica, yeah. cricket is no longer number one. So you have track and field. With that produce yeah. Eden Bowles and Shelley and Prince of Price, Eden Thompson here, etc. So corporate con companies are pushing their mom their monies into that venture. They're they're believing sure. that because Jamaica is almost number one in track and field, their brand will be on a mm. bigger track and field rather than in cricket. So that is part of the issue as well. So the board is struggling to generate funding and having commercial people come on board. They're trying to revamp the structure now in terms of cutting the cost of some of the tournaments, even though they're increasing the prize monies, they're reducing the travel because inter-Caribbean travel is also a problem. So to move from, to move from Jamaica to uh, Barbados, it's a struggle to get a direct flight. And yeah. that creates another expense for the board as well. So all the camps now are staged in one, in one territory. So that also creates a problem for the players to develop as well because they're not going in different conditions to play in different matches. And that as well hinders the growth and development of the player. While it's good for the for the for the board to have the matches played in one place because it cuts costs and yeah. creates revenue. It's sure. a hindrance to the to the players and their development as well. It's it's difficult, right? Because as you mentioned about how any not you mentioned about transportation issues. Transportation is an issue. Accommodation is also an issue because traveling from one place to another, changes of hotels and all sort of financial issues, right? Still, you know, still I can easily say that a lot of you, you guys produce a lot of good players. Let, let's take an example of Shemar Joshif currently. In the, uh, Australia versus West Indies, in Gaba, the brand new team, we can say. I'll talk about Shemar Joseph first. I want to know about you. Because T20 World Cup is coming. And then this is obviously it's in home condition. And... A lot of players are also new, okay? 
and we saw how they well performed against England, against India, and they won the series, right? How do we see this West Indies team? A lot of time we talk about West Indies is done. We are not, come on. We know that West Indies is never going to be done, right? Because it's yeah. their team and they definitely be a dark horse every single day, right? And maybe a potential winner, right? How do you see this West Indies team going? How do you see this team for this T20 World Cup? Um, I, w- I would be very ambitious if I stay win because I think the team is short of a couple of quality bowlers. I think sure. that's a, the biggest issue with the team. Um, how the team is built and structured is similar to how we won in 2012 and 2016, where you had a large amount of all-rounders, but also the team, all-rounders. Yeah. The team was yeah. long enough with, with capable hitters. So up to number nine and ten were capable of winning games. Hence, Carlos Bradfield was able to, to produce that sensational effort in, in 2016 where we needed 20, 20 runs of the final over and he, he got those four sixes. So the team is... Remember the name. Yeah, Remember the name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The team is structured in the same way where you have sure. Jason Holder batting at number nine, which tells you that the, the coaching staff believes that this is the best avenue for the team to perform. And he's doing that because he has, he has already accepted the fact that enough quality bowlers are not within the setup. And it's a big era for us. It's, it's, and if you watch the matches, it's either the team struggles to contain the team in the power play or a team gets away at the back end of the innings. So that tells you that the bowling is a problem. But how I see them stacking up, I don't see four teams beating them over the, the duration of the tournament. Just on the fact that the amount of power that is in the team, that's one. The home conditions where the boundaries are very small, there's a massive win factor as well. And mm. the games are going to be played in the day. So, okay. yeah, it makes it a lot easier for how our players play. So not a lot of movement and so on in the night and not a lot of due factors well where the ball is going to get wet mm. and so on. So that is part of the the plus for the team. Um, and if I look at if I count the teams that I think can really give them a, a, a problem would probably be Australia because I think Australia they have the same amount of quality and depth in their hitting as the West Indies. That's one, but they they have way superior bowlers, mm, mm, right? Mm. And Australia, the only trophy that they don't hold now is this World T20 title. So they are the holders of the women's T20, the women's 50 overs. They are the World Test champions. And they're the world 50 over champions. They, they got a bit of you guys. Sorry to say. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah they have okay. every, I can understand. Have and I think that is a big motivation for them. That's one. I think they already won around 2021, right? In Dubai? Yeah, they won 2021. But, but 2022 was won by England. So. Yeah. It's, yeah. And so they, I they, remember they, the game. Yeah. yeah. The first game, Australia versus uh, New Zealand, right? They just yeah. bundled out 90 runs all out. So definitely, it's a motivation for them to win this time for sure. Yeah, so so that they are one team. I think England, because of England's hitting power as well, and I think Jofra Archer is going to come back for the World Cup. They have done everything to keep mm-hmm. him away and yeah. be fresh for the World Cup. He's a massive plus if he's back, because he's an X-factor in terms of his bowling and his all-round ability. That's two. India and South Africa, they are the only other teams I think can beat the West Indies 
over the, the duration of the tournament if the conditions stay how they are. So those are the four teams that I think can actually stop the West Indies from winning the trophy. What do you think about Kiwis, New Zealand? They're a tournament team. I'm a big fan of the Kiwis, but I just think they are short in terms of flexibility. Yeah, I think okay. the team is a little bit one-dimensional in how they approach it now, in terms of their T20 cricket. But there's one thing with New Zealand, they never rule them out. They're always going to yeah. come and they're going to put on a show in a tournament. We are, I think we're in the same group, by the way. I think the West Indies are in the same group with New Zealand and Afghanistan, Papua New Guinea and uh, Uganda. But I wouldn't bet on New Zealand winning in the region just because of the conditions and the way how their team has been playing um, T20 cricket recently. I'm not really so confident, but I never ever rule on New Zealand in World Tournaments. That's, that's almost a sin, to be honest. Well, this time... This time also we have 20 teams, right? Because yeah. it's almost after a decade that we are watching a lot of teams coming, playing different groups, then Super 8, then we talk about four teams, five teams, and one more team I just want to talk about, Pakistan. Because yeah. you mentioned about how fast bowling is important. And yes, in recent years, recent times, I would say, after Asia Cup, uh, they have been struggling with their bowling lineup as well. What do you think about Pakistan bowling lineup, apart from Haris Rauf, Because Harisroff is not here right now. Yeah, what do you yeah. think about them? Contract was terminated earlier this week. The, I think the problem for Pakistan has been the struggles of Shadab Khan. He was instrumental in that 2020 T20 World Cup where they went to the final and they lost to, to the team. His form has tapered off a big way with the ball. So they're struggling to find that you know, along with Mohamed Nawaz, who can actually pick up wickets. So they have become over-reliant on Daisha Freedy just being the main wicket-taker. And teams have now figured out that once we can be, uh, I would say, state against Daisha Freedy, don't give him more than a wicket or two in the power play, and you still can yeah. score 45-50, you can still make it up in the middle of the innings because Nazim Shah mm -hmm. hasn't been back to his full fitness as yet. So they're still struggling to find that extra pacer. And as you said, Harris yeah. Rock has not been the same for the last 18 months or so. So mm. I think that is the biggest issue for them. Secondly, working out their batting order is a problem as well. That they don't want yeah. Babar Azam and Mohamed Rizwan to be batting in the power plays. But the, the, the substitution or the people <coughs> that they are open the innings. They're not spending enough time to keep them away sure. from batting in the power play together. They tried it in New Zealand recently and it didn't work. They were swept because um, Mohamed Harris as well as Saim Mayup, they weren't able to spend enough time in the power play to help Rizwan. And I, I personally don't have an issue with both of them batting in the power play. It's just that Pakistan's struggles are are bigger than both of them batting a large portion. They just don't have enough power at the back end. They only have Iftikhar, um, Iftikhar Ahmed as their power their power hitter. Power hitter. Yeah. yeah, you need more than that in T20 cricket. You have to have a sustained amount of hitting down the back end of the order. And even if if Babar Azam and Mohamed Rizwan bats 90 balls together, you don't expect them to be scoring at upwards of 8 runs and over. So that kind of puts an onus on you to find consistent hitters. And that is a problem yeah. that I think... Not, both of them have to play because they're, 
they're arguably the two best players in the country they have to play but it's how you find the balancing act and i think that is a problem for them Rizwan is better at the top but i don't have an issue with barbaras and batting at three you have to find somebody to open who not who is not just going to score 15 off nine probably somebody who's going to score 30 off 19 so that when Babar comes in he has enough time to change the game and bat deep and create issues for the for the opposition it is something which i really like about west indies team that they don't go with the names they go with the who is going to score 10 runs per over right yeah. this is something which is actually important for any time and you mentioned about how bowling is important and you also said that one sign shah freedi cannot go and just win wins the game for you bowlers is going to win the tournament for you not the one bowler yeah right so it's all about the bowlers it's all about the bowlers it's the team which yeah. bowls the best they're the they're the teams that tend to come out on top if you if you look back to all the years that this world cup thing has been has been staged 2012 with the west indies with narayan and badri yeah. 2014 when sri lanka won they had a truckload of spinners plus malinga 2016 the west indies came back with badri and well narayan wasn't there but badri was there again and it, you, you tend to see even 2021 with the Australians, yeah, the coming star, etc. Zampa played a big part yeah. in it. But if you don't have quality bowlers, you're not going to be winning T20 work. But I think, well, I think outside of compensating or just accepting the fact that the team doesn't have enough bowlers, so you're playing off all rounders to make up the runs, it is, it is chaotic. When the game gets stretched, you can't yeah. depend on medium pacers to carry over the line. You need exceptional talent. 120 balls and making 200 cents is definitely not a safe option right now. I can easily say because in, in, in the country we have IPL, right? Uh, out of 10 uh, matches, I saw 9 matches that where teams actually, you know, easily chase that 200 runs or 220 run target. And yeah. still, uh, how you see, because you mentioned Sunil Narayan, right? He recently retired and we all know how greater player he was when he was playing okay so how do you see his career um on the franchise scene he was next to none in terms of what he produced he was outstanding simply the best in terms of his demeanor how he went about his work he was very difficult to get away and he was used almost yeah. as a <laughs> i don't want i don't want to use that word he was almost used as a as a bait in a sense, because teams were would get away and then they just throw the ball to Narayan and then the game just changed. Um, for the West Indies, yeah. a key cog in the wheel for those titles as well. So overall, it's an outstanding career, but it was just cut short because of a lot of indifference and no real direction as to who is on the right page or who is saying the truth. Because there were a long, a long period of time where he was saying that he wanted to play. And then the selectors were saying that whenever they reached out to him, he was saying he's unavailable. So you didn't really know who was telling the truth. And um, he had sure. some issues with that with his action as well. Then the board felt as if he rushed back himself into the game and didn't follow the advice of some people in and around his circle. So they were worried that whenever he gets an international call, that he would be called again. So there were fears about his action for some point as well. But outside of that, He's next to none and you would know because he has been at Kolkata forever okay this is something which is he's uh, initially we thought it's going to be a little bit of failure for the teams because it's like a gamble right 
maybe he will make runs maybe he is not going to make runs but a lot of times he made runs <laughs> and eventually made sort of think that kolkata knight has won three four times right the ipl so it's another thing where in that dude i want to talk about one more thing you know shema joseph yeah. from guyana uh i remember because I, I watched the whole session the last session specifically when he got out his alert and then the run with the gaba after that after that game he got selected for the psl thing psl draft and then obviously for the ipl he also got selected uh in my last podcast i was interviewing someone from america and i told them that you know for us and for anyone we have to see fast bowlers okay uh you know as a viewer we just want to see because i remember i was just saying that guy that i was watching michael holding interview and he said that if you really want to be a good fast bowler play less cricket right this is how do we see a bowlers like shamar joseph future because i remember because i have to let me quickly add this because jofra archer jofra archer also struggled with his injury and uh, because playing lot of cricket how do we see his career going uh, first i think the board has to take control in terms of the amount of cricket that he plays he's now centrally contracted so he was upgraded from his territorial contract which is a guyanese contract so him being upgraded now i think the board has a little bit of a control over his his workload um the fact that he's going to be playing the psl going to be playing the ipl means he won't be able to play any red ball cricket in the region for this season so he won't play in the first class cricket our next tour is in july in, in england so he won't have any red ball preparation right but there's also yeah. another part of it where this is a man who was doing a job that he felt was not going to make him survive for a long period of time wasn't going to make his family off so now he's yeah. using his cricket as an avenue to make himself better off financially i don't think there's any problem with him doing it no right he's at the embryonic stage of his of his career of his career and his development sure. but what you don't want is that when you have 10 12 test matches for the year you don't want to have him flying all around the world and playing matches yeah playing matches in dubai then he moves to india then he moves to pakistan he comes to the cpl he goes at, that's where the strain on the body is going to come and that is where he's going to be yeah. overworked and that is where the problem is going to be generated so i think the western is cricket board can actually regulate hmm. movement and say that you're not going to be playing any white ball cricket for for a certain period of time you're not going to you you you're only going to play three franchise leagues for the year or you're going to play x amount of matches for the year in terms of hmm. preserving him he has already made the the point that he's willing to sacrifice everything once west indies has a series so that is one point one part that you have to look at but sure. him playing more is also important because he's a late bloomer he didn't play he didn't play youth cricket because he couldn't train on saturdays because he was a seven day adventist so he couldn't play youth cricket so he, he wasn't able to play a lot of cricket when he was younger so yeah. he's still learning his craft and the, the, the more he goes around experience people and people who are skilled he will learn a lot as well and that is going to benefit the cricket not just himself but the west indies team right that's that's another point the third point okay. is that you don't need to have him playing all the formats as yet so the west yeah. indies 
they're going to play in the T20 World Cup. I would presume that he has to be selected because he's bowling upwards of 140. He's going to be that X factor. I think Azari Joseph is the only bowler who bowls to those levels. O'Shane Thomas is in the squad. Mm. But based on form and based on what has been happening, I think Shamar Joseph would easily supersede him. The only other option is Ovid McCoy. And he has been struggling with his with his back end bowling for the last 18 to 24 months. So that is why he's not sure. in the squad. So I would I would assume I am assuming mm. that Shamar is going to be a part of the squad. But him playing the, the T20 World Cup will still give him enough time to recover to go to England in July. But after this year, which is obviously a loaded year and an emerging cricket West Indies can dictate how he goes about being selected in franchise leagues. They probably don't want him playing some of the leagues when they're very close to series or close to international engagements. Because we have seen promising fast bowlers before. Um, Jaden yeah. since burst onto the scene and then he was overplayed and overworked, which now you're seeing him reco- recovering and re- recuperating. He's playing in the domestic competitions now, so he's getting back to full fitness. You don't want to have... And Joseph has already shown the inclination that he's somebody that, somebody that is willing to bowl 10, 12, 13 overs on the spin if you don't take control of the situation. Absolutely. You have to, as a captain, as a coach, manage him for himself, not just allow him to do what he wants. Oh, it's a saying, right? Overcooked fast bowler is bored fast bowler. So... I want to ask you, I just want to conclude. We have a few questions now. And the question which I have for you first, that T20 World Cup, as I said, who who do you think is going to be next factor for West Indies this time? Uh, the X Factors. Uh, the X Factors. It's a tough question for sure. Yeah, it is. <laughs> because I think Budakesh Moti is going to play a massive role. As yeah. a second, he's a spinner, know? right? Yeah, he's a second yeah. spinner. Um... I have so much time for Shafane Rutherford and I think Shamar Joseph. Those three players. I think the world knows what Andre Russell can do. But I think Rutherford, Moti, and Shamar Joseph. Well, actually, there are three Guyanese, by the way. Those three names. So those three people would be the, the ones to look out for. I'm not sure about Shimran Hetmeyer's stance now. I don't know what's happening with him. I know he was left out of the squad for a couple, for the, the last couple of games against England and then he was left out for the series to Australia, so I'm not sure what's happening with him. I'm not sure if he's even going to be selected based on the fact that he was selected for the last tour because that would be the last tour before the World Cup. Because the IPL yeah. ends in May. The IPL ends on May 26. The World Cup starts on June 3. So it's yeah. highly Hardly any time. Hardly any time. Exactly. There's not going to be any cricket between that time. So unless he goes to the IPL and he has been doing extremely well in the IPL for the last four or five years. If he beats on the door, then maybe we could see him in the team. At the expense of who? I am not sure. But I would have him in my 15 because I think he's one of the best 15 players in the region in this format. But but as I said, my X-Factors are going to be the three guys. Rutherford, Moti, and Shamar Joseph. Two players? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you ask me from uh, you know from the outside perspective, I would say all the eleven players from Caribbean <laughs> Island is going to be the the champion side is. Dude, I just want to know that uh, you mentioned about how politics also work over specifically how uh, to select players. You know, from the Guyanese, don't take Guyanese, don't take Jamaican. A lot of times, okay. 
is there any reservation also there like in south africa because of the lot of things uh, we saw a lot of reservations over there as well so is there also a reservation between the islands that three players from jamaica two players from uh, guyana like this not necessarily because i think there's more accountability you now um there was a stage when courtney brown was a selector that was when jason holder was the captain the yeah. team was predominantly lit with with barbadian so there were Ooh. question marks over that you had Ross and Chase, Dorich, Holder, Brathwaite, Hope, Brooks. At one stage, you had seven, eight Bayesians in the team. And and people started to question the rationale behind some of the selections. But now, a little bit more diversification in terms of the selection, um, a wider range. But you have people from Trinidad. I think you have a, a selection from every part of the, of, of the region. Now, there's a better mixture in terms of the selection you have a player from each region now in the team so you have a jamaican azari joseph is from the leeward islands johnson charles is from the windward islands and you have barbadians and the captain is from jamaica and you have trinidad and tobago players as well akilo sane and puran and so on so you have yeah. a mixture and the guyanese as i mentioned so you have a wide range of players now so there are no real complaints in terms of the selection, it's just when you see five, six, seven players from one country in a team, especially when their team is not dominating the regional competition, sure. then questions are going to be asked. 11 players, if you want to choose from all over the side, all over the world, who you are going to select, okay? Just, it's a tough question, but I want to ask you this. My 11 best, players. My best 11. Not, not West Indian, from all yeah. over the country, you have to select, yeah. So that would be what? T20, 50 over what? Just T20 World Cup. T20 team. T20 World Cup. All right. So I will have just Butler opening. Right? Sure. That's yeah. one. Um, the second opener for me would probably be your captain. Roy Sharma? Yeah. It's either Roy Sharma or David Warner. So I, I'll probably... So since I have a right hand, I'm going to go David Warner. Yeah. David Warner. Sure. All right. We're at Coley Bots at three. Sure. Ed well, okay, then Nicholas Buran. Absolutely, I'm looking for a, a all rounder now. I'm looking for Andre Russell. Uh, no, well, I just said Puran, so I'm gonna go Henry Classen for six. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan of Henry Classen. Six, uh, seven. I need an all rounder. Uh, look, Hardik Pandya is gonna be my seven. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let Fast bowler on Londo. Yeah. Bowlers now are Jasper Bumrah, Zampa. Okay. Archer. Okay. I need one more bowler. Let me search for a bowler. Uh, Mitchell Stark. And I could probably go Mitchell Stark. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a bit disheartened. I, I would say why. You know why? Because you didn't mention Phil Salt. I saw oh. his game against West Indies, specifically in the West Indies zone. And dude, he's a good player. You know, mm. he's a very yeah. good player. Yeah, yeah bit yeah. bit incons inconsistent, but still, a lot, of lot of times. So yeah, it's a bit issue. So last question I have for you, uh, Jerome. Andre Kohli is a, a test coach for you, and then you have a white ball format coach, which is Dan Sammy. Also, the champion side, 
he led the team in 2016 when West Indies won in India, right? So, but still, you know, okay, let's let's talk about first test matches because obviously West Indies hardly play a lot of test matches, which is a fact, right? And the same thing when it comes to the ODI sessions and we saw that game against Australia recently where they struggled, you know? lot of times how do we see these two coaches in the west indies circuit are they doing really well because i'm not tracking that much so i just want to know from you that how these two coaches are doing over there performing how well for i'm gonna start with the white ball coach first because darren sammy was appointed almost out of the hat to be quite honest he's an inexperienced coach he doesn't have the highest certification either he doesn't have a level three coaching certificate. So there were doubts about his coaching um, sure. credibility or credentials. But because Sammy is such a great leader of men, he's going to be well respected. Sure. He's well respected and, and the players will play for him because of his passion and so on. In terms of how the team is playing, you can see a direct style and a similarity to when he was playing. So you can give him yeah. that. And that is for the T20s. For the 50 over, the team is in a transition or a transition mm-hmm. office. Because remember now, we didn't qualify for the World Cup for the first time in our history last year. And that was a massive blow financially, um, physically, and emotionally for the people of Same the region. region. It, was, it was almost Absolutely. like an embarrassment. But for people like me who are following mm-hmm. the cricket, it wasn't a shocker. Because over 50 over cricket has been woeful for the last 25 years. All over the world. All over the world. Yeah, whether home or away, you could yeah. see that the West Indies were going to be in a dogfight to get to the World Cup. So it's not a strange yeah. thing for the 50 over cricket. So he's trying to set out a model as to how we play 50 over. He tried it in the Super 50, which is our regional 50 over competition, where you had bonus points for teams who scored six runs and over in the power play and then in the middle phase you scored upwards of five runs and over not many teams got to those standards but it's a benchmark that he's trying to set now and create select his play from so you can understand the direction of that um so and for the t20s he has lost only one he has lost only one series and that was to australia so he won against india won against england won against south africa So, you, you have to give him that. Uh, test coaching? The test team, I think, is in a bigger conundrum in terms of the players because the players that we have depended on for the last couple of years, they're now getting to the back end of their career. So, people like Kimar Roach and Jason Holder. And Holder hasn't been in the greatest of forms for the last 18 months. We're being quite frank with either bat or ball but he sure. gives something different he's he's that stabilizer you can use him as a holder from an end no pun intended there so he can bowl long spells and cause mm. problems but in terms of the shape of the team we have young openers we have young middle order players so even Shea Hope would dominate with white ball cricket he struggles with red ball cricket and um, we don't have consistent scorers in our domestic competition who are scoring or averaging upwards of 40 for us to just draw to them and ins- in- insert them into sure. our similar to India, for instance, for, for example, Kale Rahul is out of the test series, a couple of test matches. Yeah. You had Safras Khan coming in, and he's 
he's averaging over 50 in Ranji Griffin. Yeah, absolutely. He has over 1,400. Um, Rajit Patidar, he, he's having the time of his life in Ranji Griffin. But we don't have anybody in the region who can boast similar styles or averages or qualities. So it, sure. once you have somebody playing at the test level, we're just hoping for people to, to just take on the world based on just their natural talent. It's not coming from consistency or what they have done over the years because it's just not there. It's just not there. Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. I think for me, it's also an insightful conversation because for the first time, I'm just getting to know someone who is actually into a lot of sports, right? So uh, nothing better than this, Jerome. And obviously, uh, I hope that the team which you have selected for this T20 World Cup is going to win someday. Who is going to be your captain first? Just tell me. Captain and wicketkeeper. The team level, the dream level, which we selected. I Butler as a as a wicketkeeper. Yeah. And gonna go uh, David Warner as a captain. As a captain, David Warner. As the captain, yeah. Strange call, strange call, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, last question before I just wrap up everything. Um, I'm sure you also followed your previous legends because. As an outsider, I saw a lot of YouTube videos when it comes to Michael Holding, you know, Joel Garner. A lot of times, right? We already, like I said, we grew up watching them. Who uh, was your who was your bowler or batsman, you know, batter? Actually, you look up to. I would well for bowler was Curly Ambrose, but for batter it's the no-brainer, the Brian Lara. I don't think anyone. Uh, is... Yeah. But I thought uh, you will say Vivian Richards. Oh, well, I wasn't in that either, but I've seen enough videos. But I just have yeah. um, yeah. developed ratings and respect for Brian Lara because I, I thought he played in a different era where the team was a weaker team. Sir Viv was outstanding, but he had better players around him. But you can't take anything away from Sir Viv because you think, in my estimation, he was ahead of his time. And if he was in this era, he would probably be a trillionaire you now. Yeah, yeah. Trillionaire, you said. Yeah. He wow. was he was he was scoring at the rate that people are scoring now in Test cricket and giving it new names as basketball and all of this. He was doing this before yeah. the game got to where it is now. Yeah, in whites as well. Whites yeah. as well, in colours as well, everywhere. Yeah. So thank you so much, Jerome, for this conversation which I have. I almost I have to discuss a lot of things from you. Maybe later. Where can I discuss a lot of things? Maybe after World Cup, maybe after watching you guys winning the trophy and every sort of things. So, thank you so much, so much, Jerome, for this conversation and hopefully uh, all the best for your future stints here. Yeah? Yeah, no problem, Oman. And we can always reach out. Alright. So, yeah. 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 Alright, no problem. Cheers, buddy. All right.